I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. By the grace of God, I'm gonna wear a shiny crown someday. atmosphere of singing so we're, we're happy for that and uh, I sure enjoyed the specials God bless you and also the specials this morning really really enjoyed that so God bless you all for the singing we want to welcome everyone here today um, I understand we may have a visitor with us and that's brother Randy Griffiths um, I see you're from New Brunswick is that right you found your place beside some former uh, inhabitants of New Brunswick. <laughs> um, Brother Randy is maybe more known, uh, well, I guess it could work both ways. He's the older brother of Sister Natasha Hoyer, um, and, uh, or she could also be known as the sister of Randy Griffiths. So it depends which way you're looking at it. We've seen more of Natasha Hoyer, but I understand Brother Randy sings. And had I known that a little earlier, we may have had you singing, and, and we still may have you singing, so just hold that. Just keep that thought for a minute. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. We're here tonight to observe the Lord's Supper, so we're not going to take that much time with the preliminaries. We're going to get into the Word. Just before I came up, we had a, a request from Sister Doreen Thomas. Uh, she's in a senior center, along with Sister Helen Tews. Sister Helen Tews was... Uh, rush to emergency and so we want to just remember her in prayer and uh, if you have a need tonight we just want to draw from what God has done for us through Jesus Christ let's just bow our heads in prayer at this hour Heavenly Father as we've just gathered in tonight as we're singing some songs and we're worshiping Lord I was just looking and it's so easy to see the common part of one another but Lord there's an expression of Christ that comes out of the songs and that comes out of the service and the prayers and the gathering and Lord we want to reverence that we want to honor that and 
We want to respect that because that's something you've done and are doing. And therefore, even tonight, we just want to ask that you'd help us to look not through carnal eyes, but natural eyes, but through the spiritual eyes. Lord, while we're here tonight, and this request just came in, we want to ask you, would you remember our sister Helen? Lord, for many years, a believer of the message, now older, and her mind is going, but Lord, we just ask, you're the one who you said you would keep us from the beginning to the end. And Lord, we ask that you'd keep her even in this hour. Father, we commit her into your hands, not knowing the situation, but we just put bring her before the throne of grace. And now, Lord, while we're standing here, we just want to approach the word tonight. We want to approach the table tonight. And Lord, we want to do it in respect and in honor of you. And Lord, we don't want to so much look at ourselves. We want to remember you and what you've done for us. Would you bless us tonight as we would just take this service, we commit it into your hands, asking you'd lead and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just sing a chorus. Um, only believe, only believe. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. I'll ask you to turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to continue with the thought from this morning. This is where we left off. And this will be the way into divine fellowship. I actually entitled this morning The Way To, and tonight I'm calling it Into Divine Fellowship, but it'll be part two. So Philippians chapter 2, and this is in verse 1. I was uh, thinking this morning... I better put my microphone on because I don't want to look like those other ministers that are so forgetful. So I'm glad I did that this morning. And I'm glad I could humble myself this evening. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, 
If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And then this is the part we were focused in on. But he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being in found, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God bless you. you may have your seats. We'll just take about 30 minutes or less if we can as we just follow it through. This is in a message Brother Branham spoke when he came off the field in 1956 and the Lord called him and he had made a promise to God, and he spoke a message on why are people so tossed about. He said, there is a hiding place, an abiding place that we can walk into the presence of God and be hid from the things of the world. You don't hear them anymore, it's soundproof. The world's on the outside gasping and looking, but you're on the inside in the presence of the eternal everlasting God eating from this manna that will last, that'll last for spans of years, hundreds of years. It's never contaminated, neither did it give out. And a man that once walked into God, the veil drops behind him, shutting off the things of the world. He's in the presence of God, eating manna. He's living in the presence of the king. Every day is fine for him. He's found a secret place. He went behind the veil. The doors is closed. He don't see the world. He says, that is what it's like by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A man that hides a man in Christ, he becomes a new creature and walks daily before him in this manner. Now, I believe that's what the fellowship that, that we were talking about this morning in 1 John now, Brother Branham goes in this next paragraph, he says, what a beautiful picture of the believer in the presence of God. All things are his then. All things were given to Christ. All that God was, he poured into Christ. All Christ was, he poured into the church. At that day, you'll know I'm in the Father, the Father in me, and I in you. Oh, the privilege that a believer has if they could only accept it. Amen. That's wonderful. Now, I'm just going back to 1 John chapter 1 for a moment. When John speaks here, and we talked about John being the disciple, the only disciple really that was at the foot of the cross, but he, he didn't focus on just that part, but he caught what was happening in the part of redemption. And he said, the one that was on the cross was not just a man. He says, now that was, 
That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked on, our hands have handled of the word of life. The life was manifested and we've seen it, we bear witness. That was eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And now that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now what we're doing tonight when we have a communion, when we come into service, when we would gather together, it actually seems foolish to the world. In fact, to the carnal man who comes in, it is actually foolish. It's foolish to come to a service and listen to a man speak out and orate and do things. And it's foolish to do that. It's foolish to come and, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're going to take a little piece of wine and you're going to take a little piece of bread. And, and, and it, it would seem foolish but it's a symbol of something greater. And our gathering here is not because by gathering here we're going to make it into heaven. No, something happened to me by grace. And by grace now I want to serve him. Now I want to lay a hold of eternal life. Now I want, not that I don't have it, but I want to just walk in it. I want to be with him. If he's ever touched you, you can't help but want to be with him. Once a man comes in the presence of God, there is nothing like it. It's indescribable. It, it's beyond comprehension. There's times that, I'll, I'll, I just said it to Brother Andrew in the back office, there's times you're, you're coming to a presence in a thought, oh, I want to bring this to the church, and you wish you could recreate the thought, the mind, the presence of God that was there, and yet seemingly you can't convey it. Paul would actually say, I'm in bonds to speak it. That's how I felt a little bit this morning. I felt, boy, I didn't really convey that very well. But nonetheless, we, we, we can't describe God. How can human beings describe the, 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 the you know, a, a favorite word that we live in this day is awesome. You know, that's awesome. I'll tell you what. Not at, whatever awesome is a word, it comes like as a shadow of a shadow of a shadow in, in trying to describe who our God is. This great God, this one who made, by whom the worlds were framed. The one who said, let there be. The one who would say, you know, and, and he would give words, and yet he condescended to such a level that he came down that for the first year or maybe months of his existence, he couldn't even speak a word. He had to be taught words by a human being. But that was the great God that came to our level. That same God came down to our level and he allowed his brain to be that of a human brain. He who made the scientific laws allowed his mother to teach him mathematics. Allowed his mother. Now, you, Jesus, you're going to get this. One plus one equals two. Okay, and then two, two times tables. And, you know, you're not getting it. You're going to get it. Could you imagine the God that made the science and the universe? He humbled himself to that level. But he became one of us that he might understand us. That he might know us. That he might be a faithful high priest for us. That's the God that we serve. So Timothy, sorry, John is just saying these things. And you know, this is so opposite to the thinking of our first birth. Because we look for higher. We look for greater. 
And a brother came to me after and said, don't apologize for the service and that it's simple. It's not simple. It's more profound. But in our thinking, sometimes we think, oh, it's got to be up here. We've got to leave the people with an awe and ooh. And, you know, and, and after you get the awe and the ooh, what happened to you? Other than you actually open your mouth and said, oh, I knew. <laughs> but it's, if we can catch God, and I say thank you for that. Sometimes we need to hear that. And I, I don't want to apologize for speaking on who our God is. And, and, you know, this is what the devil can't understand. That's why he could never understand. Is this the Son of God or is this another prophet? Is this just another Moses? I got Moses. Is this another David? I got David. But he couldn't see that the God that he had known in heaven would actually be there if he really was God. Let me, and he would test him all along. He would, he would have worked against him, false witnesses against him. He would actually bring him to a cross and he would have a, a crown of thorns, push it in deep. He said, if he's God, he'll cry out. And yet he uttered not a word. Because he was doing something greater. His suffering was, was well, you could put it in the perspective of, of, of Hebrews chapter 12 where he would say, Jesus, we see Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, suffered the shame. Oh my, to think about it. Okay, I got to slow down just for a bit here. But I want you to think about what God did. This wasn't a one-time thing. This is he left his glory. We sang it this morning. Oh, what condescension. That he came down, he left his throne, he left the, the, the glory, the presence of God that, that was surrounding him and the angels. He left all of that to come down to our level. 1 Timothy 3 verse 16 would say this. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed in on the world, and received up unto glory. Except that now when he comes back up to glory, he's not coming up empty. Why? Because it was finished. The price had been paid. The one that said now, he said, I will take their place. I will be the co-signer. I will be their surety. They that can't live the law because of what Adam fell. Now I'm going to come and I'm going to stand for the Father until the word comes that can quicken them by the Spirit. Until the word comes that can wash them. Until my Spirit lives in them. I I will be a surety for them. I will be the co-signer. What they couldn't do themselves, I will do in them. And that's why we're living here. That's why we have the message today. That's why we have the church today. Because he lives, I can live also. Now, Brother Branham says this. Think of it. Jehovah, born crying over a manure ply. Pile. Jehovah, born in a manger of straw, that's an everlasting sign. Jehovah God, a crying baby in a stinking barn. And we think we have a right to be proud, holding up our noses, criticizing and acting as though we were something. Oh, friends, this ought to humble us. Yes. 
He said, there's your real sign. Jehovah playing as a boy. Jehovah working in a carpenter shop. Jehovah washing the feet of fishermen. My. Now, where is the proud? Where is the haughty? Where is the one that says, I'm something, I deserve, we deserve nothing. The God that deserved everything came down beneath every one of us so that we could be lifted up. But he didn't just want to leave us with a fallen nature. He wanted us to be like him. He wanted us to express him that others might know him. That they might see the Jesus that walked 2,000 years ago living today also in teenagers. Living today also in the workmen. Living today also in the mother at home. Living today in the church of the living God. He would also go on and say, God, who is, this is now Brother Branham praying in why it had to be shepherds. Lord God, creator, you were so willing to come to earth in the form of Jesus to let man know what God was. And you were the only one who could take the penalty of death. No angel, no substitute. You're the one who placed the penalty. You alone could take it away. And being a spirit, you could not die. But you were made flesh so you could die. You became a lamb that you might take away the sin of the redeemed. Oh, the story is so great, Lord. It goes over the head of many. Little Jehovah laying in a manger, living like a baby, born in a stable, playing with children in the street. Little Jehovah, the teenager, the schoolboy. Jehovah, you took all those places and you became all of this that you might suffer the penalty of sin and give to us eternal life. And then Brother Branham says, forgive us, Lord. We poor, unworthy creatures, we are humiliated tonight when we think of what you've done for us. Now he, became, he that was rich became poor. He that had everything became poor. Now if you're poor to start with, you know, if somebody cuts your salary by, you know, a dollar or something, it doesn't matter. You had a tough time making ends meet, it's just a little tougher. But if you're a rich man, if you've got a prestige, if you've got a nature, if, you, if you've got a chauffeur, if you drive, we joked about... And because Brother Ron hasn't been able, Brother Ron Spencer hasn't been able to drive. And uh, so he's had to have a chauffeur, sometimes Sister Connie, sometimes Brother Andrew, sometimes somebody else. And so we've, we've joked with him and we said, you know, only important people have chauffeurs. <laughs> and, and he says, you got it. <laughs> I'm milking this for all it's worth. <laughs> but you know, if, if you're in that position to lose something, it's humiliating. It's humbling. Now, if you're poor and you have very little, hey, doesn't matter. What's the big deal? Uh, it may be a big deal, but I'll say this. Now you magnify this by that one up there. He says, I'll lay it aside. I'll condescend. I'll come down. I'm the eternal one. I'm going to come down and I'm going to dwell in a capsule of time. I'm going to know what it feels like because in the ages to come, I've got to be a high priest. I've got to take the office of the Son of God. I've got to be a proper mediator. In order for me to do that, I've got to know how they feel. I've got to be able to intercede when their attitude is wrong, when their, when their actions are wrong. I've got to be able to be there when they're ignorant and when they omit things until they come to a place. And I'll bring them to that place on top of it.
Oh, what a story. What a tremendous story. He came. He took my place. He became me so that I might become him by grace. What a story, ever living story. Now, you take this part in Philippians where we read, and, and uh, Schofield just says in his notes, the form, he took the form of, of God, but he made himself of no reputation. He uses the word amorphe, which Brother Branham uses. And it says, he puts it this way, he emptied himself of his divine nature, his attributes, but only the outward and visible manifestation of the Godhead. He emptied, stripped himself of the insignia of majesty. When the occasion demanded, he exercised his divine attributes, but he stripped himself of it. Now, Philippians, it, it uses these words, this, this idea of emptying out. And Brother Branham said, all that God was, he poured in. And he, this, this emptying out. So the idea is to bring to, a, to an emptiness, a vanity, a nothingness. And it's not, in other words, it's to lay aside your rank and your dignity and become as nothing. To assume a more humble rank and station. You know, friends, if, if we would really catch it, there's people that have come, in, and, and you know what it's like when you come in the presence of God. Your attitude that you had just five minutes earlier changes. The way you looked at the brother or the sister or something, it all changes. Where did that come from? That comes from heaven. That comes when you enter into prayer, that you enter into a place not by lifting yourself up, but by humbling yourself. And as we humble ourselves as Christ did, that's when he descends. He loves that. He still loves it. You know, you, 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 can, you can say, well, I deserve, I deserve. Well, that, that's true, you may deserve, but anybody deserved something, it was him. And he took what he deserved and he says, I'll forfeit that. I, I have a right to it, but I'll forfeit it. Why? That, that I see someone. You know, when, when Hebrews 12 says, for the glory that was set for him. And I love the way Brother Harold is often described, but he says, here's Jesus hanging on the cross, and while he's on the cross, and he's, and he's enduring the agony, and he's suffering the shame, and the nails, and it's just piercing his body and everything, and he's saying, why am I doing this? But all of a sudden, a vision breaks. And he looks through time, and he sees a sinner that needs a God. He sees somebody that's been plagued by demons, and he says, I'll go through it to help them. Maybe he looked down to Laodicea. Maybe he looked down to you, but he said, I will take this so that they can be helped. Oh, divine love. There's no love like this. That's why the capstone is love. He laid aside everything. Let's go Matthew chapter 8. I'll just take one of these, Ethan. I won't take both. Just, 
I don't want to be long here. Matthew chapter 8, verse 19. A certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, can you imagine this? The God of heaven, he could have come and said, well, I deserve at least this. But he, he didn't even have a fixed dwelling place. I think it was in the book of John. There was two disciples, they came, and they said, Master, we follow you. I think it was Nathaniel and another one. Where dwellest thou? And he says he took them. And the Bible says it was the 10th hour, so it must have, they identified it had to be daylight because then they could see. And they, while they were there, they must have looked around and said, wow, but this is eternal life speaking to us. If we could catch the simplicity of God. He said, he says here, the foxes have nowhere to lay heads. Now, I'm just gonna, I referenced this this morning, but John chapter 17, verse 5, if you just put that up. Now, this is Jesus in his earthly time, and he says, And now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now, this, this is kind of a statement. Glorify. Now, I want you to think about the presence of God. You know how you come into a meeting and you come in and it seems like God is there. And whatever you do, you might shout, you might weep, you might, you, but you, you don't even want to leave it. It's so precious. It's sweet. It's sovereign. It's sacred. And that's just a little measure of what he dwelt in all the time. And he left that to come down and to hear words like crucify, and to hear false accusations. And, and, and now he's coming to the end. He's saying, oh, I want to go back to that. I want to go back to that. Where does the longing that we have, the pull that we feel for the presence of God come from? It could only exist because we bypassed our theophany, but it's there for us. It's brought to us by the death at Calvary, and we long for it. We desire it. We wouldn't even want to leave it for a minute once we're there. But oh, it's so real. Did you know that's only a small portion of what heaven is really like? Those that were with us and sat with us, they've gone beyond. That No wonder they would say, no wonder Sister Hope said to Brother Ben, why did you call me back? Why did you call me back? It's more glorious than you could imagine, Bill. It's wonderful. Now, so Jesus, the human part, is saying, oh, let me come back to that. And yet he still had to die the death. Okay, let's go over quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. 
that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, I, I want you to look at this closely for a minute. First of all, it's the grace of God through Christ to us. And he says, he was rich. Now, not talking about the family he was born in, Mary and, and Joseph, uh, that wasn't the richness they were referring to. But the richness was in heaven. The richness was everything that he had. He had framed the worlds. He, he was over everything, over the angels. He directed everything. But he left those riches to become poor. He left the presence of God to have great gaps where he wouldn't have the presence of God. Where he wouldn't have this comfort. Where he would have pain. Where he would have those things. So he became, he was, he was rich in heaven, but he became poor on earth. Not just physically, but poor spiritually. And right now, if I say it this way, you might have the presence of God, and, and you might be poor, and you are poor, maybe in this world, but you may be, you're poor spiritually. Now, you, you have a treasure in you, but you're poor compared to the riches that are ahead of us. The little part of God that you feel, that tug, that something. Oh, when we get over there. And Brother Bannon would look back at his body and he'd say, why would I want to go back to that pest house? Why would I want to go back to that body? And he comes from beyond the curtain of time and he says, whatever it is, friends, don't miss it. So we are poor here, but we have an inheritance through Christ Jesus. We're going to dwell among the angels. We're going to dwell in that presence forever. Never a wicked thought. Never a, a, a worry and a fear. Oh my, it's glorious. You don't want to miss it. And yet he had to come down in order that we could go up. Now... There's a place in here, and if you actually take it out of the Greek word, he was rich. If we could describe it, and there is no words to describe it, awesome doesn't even come close. That's why you can't explain this message to anyone. It has to be experienced. But a word is ineffable. It's indescribable. It's unspeakable. It's indefinable. It's inexpressible. Incapable of being ex in expressed in words. Now, I, I, this is not just limited to the minister, but it's limited. It's you. Sometimes God makes something real, and you're trying to explain it. And as it comes out, you realize... This is falling so short of what I experienced. This is falling so short of the presence of God. I can't even explain it. Now, take that and where he came to and where we are. We, we, can't, we don't even have words for it. You know, if, I, if you take all, and, and, and to take this condescension, the man who wrote, O love of God, he said there was a verse of that that was written on the walls of an insane asylum because he couldn't explain it. He couldn't explain how a God could come down to him and say, 
you reach to me. He, this isn't, wasn't just broadcast to anyone, but when he comes, he comes right to your heart, Brother John, right to you, Brother Max, right to you, Brother Ice. He comes to our door. He knocks individually. It's not just, you know, you want to come, come. No, he's actually knocking many times and we don't even open up. To, to think the king of glory, not only he's now he's paid the price, but now he's coming to seek and save that which is lost. We have no words to describe it. I'm winding my thoughts down. If we could just begin to understand, but we can't. All we can do is just begin to Stay in that, meditate on that. And you know, once you touch that reality, oh friends, there's nothing like it. Nothing, there is no newest phone that matches this. There is no travel experience. There is no hot rod that comes close to this. There's not even a John Deere tractor close to this. It's, it's greater than all those things. Yeah, <laughs> Now, if that didn't touch your particular vein, so be it. But I'll say, there is nothing like the presence of God. I'm going to conclude with this. I, I had many scriptures I could have read, but I want to go to the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah paints a picture. And we're really talking about the pouring out of God. And we'll, we'll just do this and we'll just get ready for communion with this. Because we want to remember him. You know what? He didn't die so we would feel sorry for him. But his death was showing the might and the majesty. Could you imagine? What if the God that created heavens and earth had an evil and vindictive spirit? <laughs> like the devil would paint it. But he wasn't that way. He was a good God. He was full of love. He's still that kind of a God. And he's worthy of everything we can give him. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him. Now, who's believed it? Isaiah's asking. Who, to whom is it revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Sirs, we would see Jesus. But yet you'd look at him, he was a man of sorrows. He became that for me, for you. Now look at the next verse. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Now, he didn't deserve any one of these things. But he said, I'm going to take it upon myself. Because it's part of the penalty. It's not just part of the penalty. It's part of the healing. It's part of the intercession. It's part of me being a real mediator. Acquainted with grief. And this is the part. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, we esteemed him not. It's possible that we can get so caught up in religion that we can miss seeing him. We esteemed him not. In other words, you can see him, but you couldn't 
understand. Brother Branham would talk about that foot wash flunky, and here comes Jesus, and he didn't even have the time to wash his feet. And Brother Branham said, oh, let me take his place. Let me wash his feet. Let me. It's, and he would, he would begin groaning in the spirit. And he would say, Jesus, Jesus. Speaking in either the German or the French, different way. But he would say, oh, let me have. Friends, this is, this is as much a part of the message as the seven thunders and the seals and everything. This is about the God that we love and that wants to be a part of us. And now he says, goes on to say, surely he has borne our griefs carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Could you imagine Isaiah when he's penning these words? Who are you talking about, Isaiah? What, what, what is this all? And, then, and actually, he says in another place, the Bible says, his visage was more marred than any man. His, his face was on undescribable with the beating and the death he took. I'm not just saying this to be gory, but I'm just saying, this is the love of God. The chastisement of our peace, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, but the stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? He was, he was cut off out of the land of the living, and for the transgression of my people he was stricken. Verse 9, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Let's have the musicians come. Verse 10 would say this, though. You stop at verse 9, it doesn't look like, what was all that about? But here's verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to make him, to, he hath put him to grief, that when he shall, his soul shall be an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. I could go to the second part of Philippians, where Philippians would also talk about how he was obedient to the death, but the next verse 9 says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Why? He came down to the lowest. But he came, he didn't come empty-handed. He came with the promises. He came with the price that was paid. And all that would believe on him would have a right to everything that he purchased. It wasn't for himself. It was for us. That's why we're here tonight, to honor him. The one that made the heavens and the earth. The one that made the rivers sat there on the cross and said, I thirst. Song was penned about that. The God that had all these things took my place and your place. 
We owe him everything. We're here to honor him tonight. He became me that I might become him by grace. He became me so that I might become him by grace. He for the communion. This time I'll ask Brother Harold, the deacons, if they'd come and they take their places. As they're doing that, I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As they just make their way, we're going to break the bread here in a moment. And as also, if you're a musician and you're going to take a place, you're welcome to come up there. But it would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, for I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. That's what we're doing today. We're remembering him. Whatever your need is today, I would say it's more than met in him if we could look on him and thank him. And he says, after this manner, he also took the cup which he had supped. And he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till you come. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. 
For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily worthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not come together with and be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for the other. If you brothers want to go ahead and sing some songs, we're going to break the bread and then we're going to have a word of prayer. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I need to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, amazing grace. All day long, Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. He paid a debt at Calvary. He cleansed my soul and set me free. I'm glad that Jesus did all my sins erase. I now can sing a brand new song, amazing grace. All day long, Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never And one day he's coming back for me to live with him eternally. Won't it be glory to see him on that day? I then will sing a brand new song. Amen. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Stay. He washed it white as snow. 